Welcome to Death Do Us Part Podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, Mark. What up, y'all? Hey. Hey. Guys, what is it, episode 41? Yeah. Yeah. When did we record BTK? Uh, like the 9th, maybe? Why are you asking me? I, I can't don't know. remember. I, babe, I don't, I don't fucking know. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. A couple days ago? It was... I don't remember. I don't either. Facts 32 came on Monday, and yes. we had we had just recorded it, so I want to say last week. Saturday or Sunday? Yeah, one of those days. Yeah. Okay. Why? I'm just trying to figure out, because we have new Patreons, and there's a couple that I can't remember if I mentioned them, because I don't think we did any, B- I don't think I mentioned any in the BTK episode. No, because I don't. I, th- I thought your computer was down or something. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was dead. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. you you didn't name any of them. Okay, got it. You're drinking a Coors I'm Light. I'm drinking a Coors. Oh Light. my God! You're actually drinking. The fucking mountains are blue. It's cold. Because the shit's been sitting in the garage for like two weeks. Oh, it's freezing outside. And it's like yeah, two degrees outside. Yeah. I can't find my fucking koozie. I have one upstairs, but. I had more than one, and I don't know where the rest of them are. Mm. Oh, well, whatever. I'll just drink it fast. Yeah. How is it? Coors Light is so good. Babe, it's fucking glorious. Oh, man. Glorious. That and Corona. We have a case of Corona in the garage, too. Oh, it's cold, and we have a lime, too. Sarah dropped it off. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. We have a lime, too. Do we? Yeah. You didn't use it? No. Oh, okay. No, it's in the... Refrigerator. I'm just going to have a couple beers and like rage clean and then go to sleep by like 10. Mm. I'm just going to watch TV. I am going to drink a mocha blast on the couch. Yeah. I'm going to drink another Coors Light on the couch. Mm. I should shower though first. So So your appetite suppressant is not working. You need to take a whole one. Yeah. Uh, I gave one to a coworker once and he told me that he could hear colors. So you need to take a whole one. Hear colors. Because <laughs> yeah, he was so amped up. Oh. Uh, no, I, I don't even feel that. Like, I, I feel like I drank a cup of coffee. Yeah, you need to take a whole one. I, I was tired before. That's why I asked you if we yeah. were still going to record. Because I was kind of falling asleep. But Sorry. It woke I was me wrapping up. it up. No, it, it woke me up. But, like, no. Yeah. As far as the appetite suppressant. Take a whole one tomorrow. Yeah. Let's see what happens. So for people out there, like my medicine has been making my appetite out of hand. So I'm going to the doctor this week, but yeah. like I want something in between. So so I tried giving him my phenamine. Yeah. Which most people are very big fans of it. So I wonder what the doctor is going to say. Probably phenamine. I have it for my menopausal fatigue. Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm. Isn't that nice? Thank God for that. Shut up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So did you um did you advertise at all about what we want to do tomorrow? What we want to do tomorrow. Clearly you did not. No, I totally forgot. Alright. Should we Alright guys, we're gonna try and do like a live Zoom Q and A kind of thing. Yeah. With our highest tier Patreons. Yes. So with our twenty dollar Patreons. Um We'll try and advertise it a little bit. If we get enough people, we'll, we can do it tomorrow. Yeah. 
I totally forgot to advertise. So if not, we could always do it next week. Yeah, just um. Why, why don't we just plan on next week so we give people a heads all up? All right. So all so my they have a week to plan. All my lieutenants out there, let me know what day works best next weekend, and I will do a Zoom meeting and just send you guys the link. No. So. And once again, this is just for our twenty dollars yep. Patreons. Yeah. This is something a little extra that they get, Yep, you know, in their package. So they get to see us and talk to us. And it's going to be live. It's not going to be like, obviously, anything recorded. Like, right. No, we're going to send you guys a Zoom link and. Yeah, it'll be live. It's going to get real. You can ask us whatever and we could have some fun on there. Maybe I'll drink another Coors Light then. Mm, maybe I'll have a Corona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, let's do it next week so we give them... Because you suck? Yeah, and give them like a week to plan. Okay, so next week we'll do a live Q&A. Yeah, we're thinking Sunday. It definitely should be Sunday because everyone's home. Yeah. But what time kind of works for everyone. Yeah. Shoot me an email, guys, or a message through Patreon, whatever you want to do. Whatever's easiest. So while we're talking about Patreons... Mm-hmm. We have a lot of new ones. You guys are fucking the tits, man. You guys awesome. are awesome. So I'm not sure if I mentioned this one, but I'll do it again. So we have Sarah, who's a sergeant. Tracy, who is a patrolman. Crystal, who is a sergeant, who I believe keeps coming up in my Facebook as a suggested friend. Oh, hey. Possibly. Uh, Laura is a patrolman. Jackie is a lieutenant, so mm-hmm. she can do the Q&A. Um, Jenny is a sergeant and Emily is a sergeant. Awesome. Thank you guys. You guys are amazing. Love you. Mm-hmm. So our Fox 32 thing, um, weird. What? Yeah. Weird, but they're yeah. going to do an actual like feature. Yeah. So which is weird. <laughs> yeah. She said it's going to be on the nine o'clock news. The. And this is Fox Chicago. Cause yeah. I know. Sorry. Yeah. Like. Fox is different in every city. Yeah. So it'll be on the nine o'clock news, the morning news, the day after, and then the following Saturday news. We just don't know what day. Yeah. We're still waiting for the email. So she said it would be a week or two. Yeah. It was cool. The producer came out with the camera guy and they were here for over an hour Mm -hmm. filming us. Yeah. They interviewed us individually, Mm -hmm. then kind of doing some action shots. So. I'm kind of excited for the finished project. I'm I am too. Kind of, I want to see how it turned out. I hope we don't look too stupid. You sounded great. I was sitting I don't there. Think I did, but no, thank you. you, you did. Like, and I'm not just saying that. Like sitting there, I, I made you go first, and you were hit, dude. You were hitting it right on the head. That like you sounded great. Really? Yeah. And then I sounded. You sounded great too. I don't no, know why you think I, you sounded dumb. Because I, I felt like I was stuttering you on what though. she was saying. You weren't so. though at all, at all. Uh, my words get fucking twisted. But you and didn't. It's frustrating. You didn't at all. So mm, well, thanks, but I feel like it. It's... Kudos to mom for sitting in the car with the dog. Yeah, the dog was going nuts. Shut the fuck so up. <laughs> my mother-in-law, thank God, she came over and, and she then intercepted sat and... Jacks in the driveway from yeah, school. Yeah, so they all had to sit in the car. 
I did go out so, and give him the keys. Though. I felt bad the one time, though. She came walking, like, with the dog on the leash in the background yeah. when you were getting filmed. And the lady had just said, like, no, we they can't need, have the yeah, dog. Like, yeah. they need to go outside because the, the microphone's going to pick up the dog. Yeah. So, like, I gave her, like, a strict, like, a, a, you know, my arm, like, a swift arm out the door. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm she sorry. She understood, though. She got it. Because she even said, she's like, thank God I came over. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, but I, I felt bad. Nah. But Don't yeah, she was bad. a savior. She sat in the car for over an hour. And mm-hmm. then Jax got home. Because they came at two. So then Jax comes home like three minutes or like five minutes after three. Yeah. So he starts walking and mom intercepted him. and Then Leah walks in and she's like, I'm <laughs> yeah. ready for my close up. She walked cool, in early. Cool, because they left a fucking hour ago. Yeah, Dummy. yeah. She walks in at like four. <laughs> Where are they? Where are they? Like, uh, they're gone now, dude. Her and her friend Christina came running in. Yeah. But so. it was cool. It was a cool experience. And it was. It, it's pretty funny. She's, you know, how she was like, oh, we saw you guys on WGN and that's our competition. Uh-huh. And, and we had to one-up them. We had to one-up them. You know, we we saw what they did and we could do more with you guys. And like, Use me okay. as a pawn. I'm yeah, totally okay with I'm, that. I'm definitely okay with that. 100 fucking percent okay with that. Yeah. So, so that was cool. Yeah. So we're in our, I'm sure everybody heard from the BTK. We're in our new studio. Yes. Thank you so, to Lynn and Ro, your stepmom and, and your aunt. aunt. Yep. They painted, they hung up pictures, yep. they put up shelves. It's um, amazing in here. It, it's fucking yeah. amazing in here. And it's, you know, the last time we recorded, why did we turn the lights on? I don't remember. I don't know. But we had the light on. But now, like, we have all the candles lit yeah, and yeah. I can see, I didn't write on blue paper. No, and then we have their the uh, sign. The sign. It's a light up sign mm-hmm. that the light moves. Yeah. you know how you want it to move, and it's fucking badass. It's pretty badass in here. It does. Yeah, so it's it's cool. I like it. It's we can actually call it our recording, and room it's now. it's comfortable in here. Yeah, it is. You know, I'm not like staring at the vacuum or something. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, all the trash that was behind my seat is gone. Thank God. Because I cleaned. This place. No, you didn't. Linen Row did. No, I got all the stuff out of here. Oh. I cleaned the more. Fuck you. What did you put it up in my room? No, I went through everything. I threw shit out, and then I took all the pictures upstairs. Oh, okay. Whatever. Is that in my room? The pictures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Neatly stacked against the wall. Calm down, killer. Mm-hmm. I didn't really realize you spent so much time up there. No, but like I don't want it to be like a storage fucking room with garbage. It's everywhere. it's not garbage. It's pictures. Okay. Calm down. I'm calm. No, you're not. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I cleaned the fuck out of this place though for Monday. Yeah, you did. I said the kids had to move out because it took like what twelve minutes after they were home. Yeah, it was quick. They hate me. How the fuck are they that I don't messy? Know. They both even commented, oh, it looks so nice down yeah. here. And then, like, I don't know, just started throwing shit. Yeah. Whatever. They hate me. Dude, they, they're they fucking ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> they hate me. They are fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did not take long at all. Uh-uh. No. Whatever. <sighs> all right, so what do you got for us? All right, so today... uh. We are doing the case of Susan Powell. And it's funny because 
Jason, who is your, what, God? God brother. God brother. Yeah. He just hit me up mm-hmm. today or yesterday. I, my God, my fucking memory. He just fucking suggested this. So the reason I wanted to do Susan Paul now is because they think that they may have found her remains. Ah. So there is a private investigator who has kept in touch with the family um, since this all happened. And he's done searches before. Um, There's like 20,000 mines in the deserts of fucking Utah. Did the dog just run into the chair? I don't know what he did. Um, And they've they've searched a couple of, you know, they've searched the mines before and stuff like that because they found that... um, Josh Powell on his computer had like Googled mines. So they always kind of thought she might have been in one, um, but they found one in particular. And I'll actually, I'll touch upon it in here um, that they searched Mm -hmm. and they found bones Mm -hmm. and they found clothing. Mm -hmm. So they sent the bones to one. They sent the bones to two different experts. One expert said that they were animal bones. Mm -hmm. The other expert said Absolutely not. These are human remains. 100% they're human remains. The clothes that they found were dress clothes very similar to the clothing that Susan would wear to work. Yeah. So they're now being tested at a different forensic lab, Mm -hmm. the bones, to see if they are actually Susan Powell's. But her father, Chuck, is very confident that they are her bones. Yeah. Um, and friends and family members are very confident that those are Susan's clothes that they had seen her dressed in before. Mm-hmm. So they really think it's her, which her dad, he's he's so sweet. Um, he's like, you know, I, I hope they're hers. So yeah. we have closure. And if they're not, I hope that they can be identified as somebody else's. So another family can have closure. Yeah, for sure. This poor guy, you know. Um, yeah. So that's why I wanted to do it. I gotcha. Um, yeah, I just, I thought it was funny that he, yeah. he sent me a... I bet you that's why um, he brought it up. Yeah, he sent me a message. He's like, hey, did you ever mm-hmm. guys think about doing Susan Paul? I was like, well, as a matter of fact, we're recording there it tonight. There you go. So. so the other update, uh, West Memphis 3, mm-hmm. the district attorney is filing motions to stop the state of Arkansas from testing the evidence that they found. Why? there's there's no probably because it's gonna uncover a huge so cover up there's no valid reason none whatsoever so when the boys signed the men sorry signed the alford plea they said you know they agreed that they would not sue the state of arkansas yeah so even if they test this dna and it comes back as somebody else these guys cannot sue the state for wrongful you know eviction and eviction conviction and shit like that. So the, it, really, the state has nothing to lose. Probably just so they don't look stupid. Correct. S- um, you know, the state of Arkansas. Now, if they had the evidence to prove that these three men were guilty, why wouldn't why you te- wouldn't you test yeah. the fuck out of it why to prove you? it? Other not, than there's a cover up. Right. Not or to mention the you fact guys fucked up completely. They wouldn't you know, let them out of jail. Right. Alfred Plea or not, they wouldn't let them out of fucking jail. Right. Now, so I morbid. The one chick, Elena, is obsessed with West Memphis 3. And they were talking about it, and she made the comment that, you know, they're they're not going to test the DNA because they're afraid that, you know, they're going to find that somebody else did it. And she said, we all know who we're thinking of. Mm -hmm. 
And then she said, we're all looking at Calvin and Hobbes. And I was like, ooh, that's clever. Because it's Terry Hobbes. Yeah. We all know he fucking did it. Yeah. But this new test is supposed to extract more DNA from the evidence. Mm -hmm. So why, if if they're guilty and you know they're guilty, why wouldn't you test it to prove it? Right. Why not? Just... So now complete the cover up. Let me ask you a question. So you don't look like you fucked up everything. Can is there any way that somebody outside of law enforcement can get their hands on that evidence? I highly doubt it. Because, you know, all these celebrities came to their aid and everything like that. So I was wondering if like a celebrity can come forward and be like, we'll pay for it. No, I highly doubt it. If there's a court order, that's bullshit. Because not only are you. You're you're fucking with these three men who have already done their time. Well, obviously the state of Arkansas doesn't give a shit. There's so. no justice for those three little boys. No, none, none. You you want to say that these three guys did it? Everybody knows they fucking didn't. So their real killer is still out there. Yeah. And you guys don't care. Fuck faces. Mm. That's my thought. Mm, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Other than that, there's. One other one, there was a missing girl out of New York. She's been uh, missing from her uh, custodial guardians Mm. since 2019. Yeah. You know where they found her? Where? Under the motherfucking stairs in her biological parents' house. Yeah. That reminds me of... Yeah. Yeah, except she was was alive. Yeah. She was alive. That was like her cubbyhole. When the cops would come to the house, they would put her in this fucking cubbyhole. Yeah. That wasn't my guy's cubby hole. No. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, Dumbasses. Hey, <laughs> I was not there on the initial scene, so. Oh well. I mean, it fucking happens. It, it <laughs> like, happens for real. I mean, uh, the guys and the family was uncooperative, so it wasn't, what are you supposed to yeah, do? Yeah. No, whatever. No. The guys did what they. It's still they funny could. though, and it's funny that while listening to another episode, a friend of mine was like. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. This reminds me of this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. What, mm. what are you going to do? So my friend Jess. Mm. You know Jess. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Uh, Dispatcher. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Um, so she she obviously listens to yeah. us. I was on the radio the other day dispatching Mm -hmm. which kudos to our dispatchers because it's the worst fucking job ever yeah it's terrible and it's terrifying and so i was dispatching and my friend carissa texted me and said oh my god i'm facetiming with jess she heard you on the radio and freaked out and was talking about how much she loves you (laughs) i love you too jess i love you too yeah I was like, how cute that you guys FaceTime. Like, I don't even FaceTime my husband. Right. And you guys FaceTime each other. That's so cute. (laughs) But yeah. Love you, Jeff. I don't want to FaceTime you. I don't want to fucking FaceTime you either. (laughs) And see your resting bitch face at me. Like, when Leah FaceTimes, she FaceTimes me all the time. All the time. And I pick up the phone and she's like, ooh, you look mad. That's because you're FaceTiming me. I know. She's always like, what's wrong? (laughs) What's wrong? I don't want to fucking FaceTime you. This is my face. (laughs) There's nothing wrong. I look like a fucking twat 24-7. I don't know what to tell you. So. Uh, That's funny. The point is to look unapproachable. Right. Doesn't work. Uh, you got it down. Yeah. Well, people still approach me. <laughs> I'm just saying. It works for me. Mm. Shit. Whatever. You love me. I know. 
Somebody fucking has to. Yeah, that's Just true. Saying. Someone's so. got to love me, so. I mean, I do. I know. You are a pain in my balls, but, I mean, whatever. I know. Is what it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're not. God hates me. <laughs> baby, baby Jesus hates us both. All right. I mean, I've kind of just accepted it at this point. Oh, I have to. Um, you know, whatever. <laughs> I do want to say, though, um, we got a ton of feedback on Andrea Yates. Oh, did we? We did. Um, <clears throat> I, I said at the beginning of the episode that nobody really knew the story behind what happened? No. They just knew what they heard on the news. Right. I had so many people contact me saying I had no idea that she had all these hospitalizations and right. there was all this mental health behind it and nobody knew. Yeah. Like it was such an eye opener for a lot of people. Which yeah, we focused the fuck out of I, it. I and mean. I wanted to for that reason. I wanted people to see that like not only obviously mental health is a thing, we're very open about it here with us, but postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis is also a fucking thing and but, it's huge and they failed her and i think we got to focus on it because like that's the why yeah you know you want to know the why that's your some why of these cases mm-hmm. well there you go and I that's mean, why i do try to find the why yeah because in in all aspects of fucking life people want to know the why and if you can explain the why they seem to be more accepting and i'm not saying it's acceptable what she did i'm saying in everyday situations right. like if if employees are like well why the fuck are we doing this and you give them the why they right. seem to be more accepting of what's happening so a lot of these cases you there there is no answer to the why right but some of them there are and this one was there was an answer to the why and i wanted people to know that right i didn't want people to think that she was full of shit and saying oh the devil made me do it as her excuse because it wasn't there was so much more to it than the news portrayed and they did that because it made headlines yeah you know but in reality this woman was she was very sick yeah very sick and now that she's medicated and in a facility that can help her she recognizes how sick she actually was and that's why she doesn't want to leave right she wants to stay where she's at well, and that's so, that's why I try to be as open as possible because right. I mean I I was very sick too. Yeah, and I, people people struggle with mental illness, and it's still faux pas, which is it. Yeah. It, it breaks my heart because it, people are not getting the treatment that they need. So the more awareness we can bring to it, and the treatment is not that great. No, it's shitty. Yeah, because mental illness doesn't make you crazy. Right. It doesn't. Sometimes, Would you stop? Sometimes the treatment does. Sometimes Shit. the treatment does. Right. But I mean, the ins and outs of the treatment too, like the medication taking as long as it takes to yeah. kick in. And oh, yeah. you can't take somebody off medication that quickly because it, it worsens the condition. And right. people don't know that. And people with mental illness are like, fuck, like nobody's yeah. listening. Nobody's hearing what I have to say. So I feel like the more that we can throw out there, the better, you know? Yeah, I just think about the hospital. Yeah. I, I mean, my first two days, like, I really thought I was going to go crazy. All yeah. I could do was sit in a wheelchair and they let me look outside mm-hmm. and that's the, all they would let me do. The fact that you made the comment to me, you know, they're keeping me here because of what you told the social worker and how calm you were when you said it. That's when I knew, like, it. you you had come to the realization that this is something that had to happen. 
no. as shitty as it was, it it's something that had to happen. But, no. you know. It's no, it's no different than being in the fucking hospital for chemo. Right. As far as I'm concerned. You know? No, I agree. I agree. All right. So. Anyways. I'm going to have to get another beer before we start. Why don't you? I, all right, I will. Keep talking. Oh, babe. What, what the fuck am I going to say? Sing. Sing for them. No, I'm not going to sing. They'll fucking, <laughs> they'll fucking tune out. So. <sighs> okay, that was quick. I love how the dog follows me like we're fucking going somewhere. Uh, yeah, right? He must have liked being in the car the other day. Yeah. Because when I took him out for a walk, he like went right by the door yeah. of the car. I was like, I'm not fucking going anywhere. So. <laughs> All right, we're like 25 minutes into this, so. Are we ready? Let's, let's do this. Okay. Um. So... I mean, obviously, trigger warning, there's child death involved in this. Not to Raise yet. your mic up a little bit. Better? Yeah. Okay. Uh, trigger warning, there's child death, obviously, involved. Um, but everybody knows that when they hear this. Yeah. So, okay. So, on Monday, December 7th of 2009, a snowstorm had started throughout the night, and several inches of snow had covered West Valley City, Utah. Debbie Caldwell owned an at-home daycare and was up early and ready to go despite the snow. All of her kids were showing up, except Charlie and Brayden Powell. Their mom, Susan, arrived like clockwork Monday, Tuesday, Friday at 6.40 a.m. So them being late was odd, but not super odd considering the snow. Uh, Debbie would say that pickup was a different story. Their dad, Josh, was always late and sometimes really didn't fucking show up at all. Debbie didn't really mind because Josh made the other parents uncomfortable. And uh, the other parents tended to call him, quote, rocks for brains. Debbie figured the snow might have delayed Susan this morning. After 8 o'clock came and went, though, Debbie decided to call Susan. She tried the house first and got no answer. She next tried her direct line at work. Again, got no answer. She then called Josh's work and was told he had not shown up. Debbie's concerns grew as she remembered Susan had asked her husband the week prior about her furnace and furnace filters recently. She became worried that there was possibly a carbon monoxide issue at the house. Taking a detour on her normal morning school drop-off route, I have to move this again. I, I, otherwise I have to sit up straight and I feel like that hurts. So, mm. um, She swung by the Powell's house at 6252 West Sarah Circle. When she got to the house, she noticed that there were no tracks or footprints in the snow, which was odd considering this, it had been snowing all night. Uh, Debbie banged on the door and got no response. She did have other kids to drop off, so she got back in her van, pulled out the emergency contact sheet, and called Josh's sister, Jennifer Gra uh, Graves. Jennifer hadn't heard from either one of them, and when she couldn't reach them, she called uh, their mother, Teresa, her and Josh's mom. Yeah. She packed up her kids, headed over to pick up her mom, and then started the 15-minute drive to Josh, Josh and Susan. At 9.53 a.m., Teresa called 911. So, Susan Marie Cox was born on October 16th, 1981 in Alamogordo, mm. I think, New Mexico. She's the third daughter to parents Charlie, or Charles, excuse me, who they call Chuck, and Judy. Chuck was an air traffic controller for the Air Force, so the family moved around a bit before settling in Washington State in Piwala. 
Mm. when Susan was a child. She was a bubbly, happy little girl who wanted to make the world prettier. After graduation, she attended the Jean Juarez Academy of Beauty in Seattle. And Susan's dreams was, dream was to own her own beauty salon. She was attractive and bright with blue eyes, wavy brown hair, and dimples. There's not a picture of her that can be found that she is not smiling in. The Coxes were of Mormon faith, which is now Mormonly, normally called or commonly called. Uh, they are members of the LDS Church, which is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Latter -day Saints. Um, like many young single LDS members, Susan and her sisters would attend uh, Institute of Religion courses. So this is where college-age church members could go to socialize and learn more about their religion. Hmm. This is where Susan and Josh met for the second time. Hmm. Years prior, Josh Paul had gone to high school with Susan's sister, Mary. Uh, he had gone to their house to woo Mary Ooh. an afternoon and played the piano. Uh, he would later say to his audio journal, his audio journal, yeah. keep that in mind, um, that Susan was, quote, much too young, relatively speaking, for me to consider dating. She was fucking 12. Yeah. He was 18. Yeah. A little young. So, okay. Uh, Josh and his dad, Stephen, mm -hmm. kept journals, which is, everybody, what? Like, didn't we just have this conversation with yeah. BTK with the journals? Maybe we should try journaling. I don't, Maybe. I don't know. Um, but they would do audio journals also. Um, and I'll, I'll have to play some for you after because they're just fucking creepy. Like, the way Josh sounds when he talks. I mean, how would you... Like, I think about Eastbound and Down. You've never seen it. No. But he would do like... Oh, oh my God. That was loud and scared the shit out of me. I didn't order anything, so. Um, he would do like audio takes, and he, God damn the dog! What is he? I don't know. I don't know what he's barking at. Okay, now that I could finish my sentence from the fucking dog, yeah, good going luck. crazy. Like he would be on the audio tapes. Like I know you've never seen it, but no. it's fucking hilarious. He's in his car, like doing it, and he's like, "I'm fucking awesome. I'm the best." I mean, that <laughs> like, I could listen to. Like, that's what I think of Which, an audio tape. Maybe we should do that as like daily affirmations, <laughs> right? Um, but he talks like this, and oh, he that's says, weird. "My sweet Susan." Babe, it's creepy as fuck. Yeah, that's weird. It's creepy as fuck. The way he talks. Yeah. So, yeah, audio journal. So the quotes I have in here are quotes, direct quotes from either their journals or their audio journals. Yeah. So they're it's direct context from them. Yeah. Um. So then he would say, "Quote: As I think back, I think that I looked at her and thought she's really cute. Too bad she's too young." Yeah. Creepy. Uh, Joshua Stephen Paul was, or Powell was born on January 20th, 1976. Two parents, uh, Stephen and Tarika, Terry Powell. So they call her either Terry or Teresa. No. But her name's Tarika. Hmm. So. It's original. Not, doesn't matter. Um, in Pewallop, Washington. I love that word. Pewallop? Pewallop. 
Uh, so the family also were of the Mormon faith, and when Josh was eight, his father Steve baptized him into the LDS Church. I wrote LSD, <laughs> not LSD, <laughs> LDS Church. That'd be an um, awesome fucking <laughs> church. A good church. I'd go to that. So um, Steve was not qualified to be in the priesthood or actually perform such a ceremony mm-hmm. um, because he's a dick. Um, According to his own journals, he had secretly gone apostate, which means he had gone against the religion, essentially. I had to Google it. So there's there's your word for the day, apostate. Mm. Um, At Franklin Elementary School, Josh developed a love for robots, remote-controlled toys, and architecture. Mm. He was a bright kid, but didn't do well with the actual structure of school. Because his dad didn't believe in, like, rules for the, the boys. Yeah. There's girls. He didn't believe in rules for the boys. Uh. Um, <clears throat> when Josh was in fifth grade, his mom found secret journals of his dad's. Are you going to sneeze? No, I oh, just, okay. I feel bad. My nose is like runny today, so Whatever. I keep sniffing. And I, I hear you fucking spit. I mean, I think you can yeah, sniff. But I don't want to keep so, doing it in the microphone. Um, these secret journals contained... Hundreds of pages of written mm, shit of explicit sexual fantasies about another man's wife. So, wait, say that again? When Josh was in... Your pause fucked me up. Well, you fucking sniffed and made me pause. Uh, Yeah, okay. When Josh was in fifth grade, his mom found secret journals of his father, Stephen. Okay. These journals contained hundreds of written pages mm-hmm. of explicit sexual fantasies about another man's wife. Okay. Stephen's only response to Terry when she was like, uh, what the fuck? Was, well, if something should happen to her husband, I would take her in as a plural wife and raise her children. Don't shake your fucking head over there. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what was that? Like, yeah, okay, I could yeah. see that. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> he, he He's concerned. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, that, that's what I would call it. I'm going to fucking punch you in the face when we're done with this. Um, Terry was eight months pregnant at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't try and act all disgusted now if you just fucking agreed with it. Um, I wrote LSD a lot. <laughs> Right. What were you thinking? I don't know. Um, so outwardly, they appeared to be the quote-unquote normal LDS family, but Steve had other beliefs. Yeah. He told the boys. Now, he had two girls. Okay. He ended up eventually with two girls. He, yeah. Jennifer was the oldest, and Alina was the youngest. That's who Terry was pregnant with. Okay. Um, he told just the boys, because he had two brothers, that people are animals and should be able to have sex with whomever they wanted, whenever they wanted, and uh, showed them porn. Right Don't fucking shake your head again. <laughs> he was How like, old are the kids at this age? Josh was in like fifth grade and the two were younger than him. And he's shown them porn? Yeah. Uh, See, now we're not so on board, are we? Uh, I mean, if they were older... Like... Gets worse. Go ahead. Keep agreeing with them. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would later describe in his journals his attraction to his oldest daughter, Jennifer. Ooh. Quote... I remember many times sitting at the breakfast bar and she would come into the kitchen dressed in a t-shirt and panties and it would drive me nuts. Ugh, a, anybody who says the word panties is some sort of molester. 
I'm just saying. It's a disgusting fucking word. It's awful. And I'm convinced that anybody who says it in normal everyday conversation, again, is a molester of some sort. Yeah. Um, he's proving my point right here. Yeah. Um, when she was a teenager, he told her the Book of Mormon was false in an effort to tear her away from the church. Um, they also went out of town, just the two of them, to a conference, and she was in her bra and underwear. Yeah. And he said she did it on purpose to entice him. Oh, God. Babe. Yeah. This dude's a little this, creep. Oh, it gets, it gets so much fucking worse. Like, mm. it gets so much worse. And then I'll show you a picture of him, and you'll be like, uh-huh. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. He's a creeper. Uh-huh. So, uh, Terry got pissed, and she ended up moving out. Because she's like, this is bullshit. This is yeah. our religion. Like, don't, you know. So Jennifer said that this is um, when she she hit a time in her life when she knew she did not want to be like her dad because he was going down a wrong path. Mm -hmm. She was 14. Um, At this point, Stephen had completely turned his back on the church and he shamed Josh into quitting the Boy Scouts because it was sponsored by the church. He was also writing for anti-LDS magazines. Mm. Uh, In 1989, Josh threatened his mother with a butcher knife. Because that's normal. Yeah. Um, he also killed his sister's pet gerbil. Um, <clears throat> killing animals. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. And then made her, made her touch the blood. What? Yeah. Yeah, um, that's... Terry, something's wrong. Yeah. Terry also claims that she at one point walked in on Josh and his brother John, quote unquote, examining their sister Alina. Ugh, Jesus. When Josh was 14, he tried to hang himself. Wow. I can't fucking imagine why. Right. I can't. Terrible. These kids need some help. Um, when he was 16, he was hanging out with a girl named Sarah, who he pressured to be his girlfriend and tried kissing her. She saw him as a little brother and wanted no fucking part of it, and he just pushed and pushed and Yeah. He was gross like his dad. Let me move this a little bit so I'm not far away. Um, so at this point now, Terry filed for... Well, you, you can't blame the kid. He was fucking groomed. Yeah, he was. He really was. Uh, I mean, what? Um, so Terry filed for divorce. No shit. Yeah. Uh, Josh was pissed, and he blamed her decision on the church. So he kind of backed away from the church. Um, Steve likened the church to the occult and called Terry a, quote, religious freak. Steve took the boys, including 10-year-old Michael, to his attorneys to write up declarations of support. Mm. The judge... Uh, said that it was very, quote, concerning. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, at one point, there was a physical altercation over legal paperwork. Steve grabbed papers out of Terry's hands, and Jennifer got scared. She called 911, then took the paperwork outside to lock it in her car. At this point, Josh football tackled her in the front yard. Mm. Um, Steve would tell the kids that their mom kept them apart, not the courts. Yeah. And when Steve moved to Puyallup, Josh was 18 and just a few months shy of graduation. Him, John, and Michael went with, so he took the boys. Yeah. Uh, the move did nothing to slow Steve and his shit. He was held in contempt of court for not paying what he was supposed to and filed a DCFS complaint against Terry saying that she was neglecting the kids. Yeah. Um, Jennifer didn't invite Steve to her wedding. Like, that's how far it got. Yeah. Josh was not happy living with his dad. Um... Steve encouraged fights between the boys. And Josh eventually was like, I'm going to go to college. Maybe I won't be home that much. So he went to uh, Pierce College, then enrolled at the University of Washington. 
He did not have a good time at school and told his mom he thought he might be clinically depressed. Mm-hmm. He went to the University of Washington for architecture, but suddenly dropped wow. that for drama. Mm. He was smart. Like He was a smart guy. Yeah. Smart kid. Smart guy. Yeah. Um, he did <clears throat> drama in high school and enjoyed it, but then um, tried out for a play and only got like a small non-speaking part and was pissed and he just dropped drama. So he just left school. Um, Josh was never shy with girls, which is odd. Yeah. Uh, but they were not fans of him. And I put probably because he's a fucking creep. Yeah. And he talks like that. Bad. So bad. Uh, so Josh deter- uh, decided not to return to school, but went home to fix his relationship with his mom and his sister, Jennifer. He ended up starting school at Eastern Washington and met a woman by the name of Catherine Terry at an LDS event. Their relationship progressed quickly, and they ended up moving in with Steve, but eventually moved to Seattle. Josh re-enrolled at the University of Washington, encouraging Catherine to get a student loan to do the same. She did, and he took money. Jeez. Uh, Side note, she's still paying on that student loan. Really? Yes. To date. Man, what a day. Um, He started working with his dad making furniture, and when Catherine would help out, Josh would take her check. Yeah, he told her he didn't want to, that just scared the shit out of me. He told her he didn't want to get married or have kids, um, and he didn't allow her to have friends. See where this is going? Yeah. She was not allowed to attend her uncle's funeral because at one point her uncle had been like, don't fucking move in with him. Right. <laughs> He's a weirdo. Don't move in with him. Yeah. Um, even his dad was like, let, let her go. Come yeah. on. Wait, when Steve is defending somebody else, well, yeah, it's, then... a, it's a fucking problem. <laughs> right. So. Um, in March of 1999, Catherine went to visit a friend and once she got to her friend's house and they started talking, she really realized how much control he had over her. Mm -hmm. She just didn't come back. Oh, wow. She broke up with him over the phone. Uh Um, he blamed the breakup on him leaving the faith. Now they would go to temple together, but they were part of a, uh, like a married group and they weren't married yeah so she felt terrible doing it and he's like just pretend we're married don't tell anybody and she's like we're gonna pretend to be married let's get fucking married yeah no. might as well he wasn't having it mm. um so he met another woman who he immediately started pressuring to be his girlfriend mm-hmm. she was interviewed for a podcast but would not she didn't want to give her a name yeah what's that talk? um he ended up showing up at her house unannounced and then said in his audio journal, quote, my general experience is that most girls hate that. They do. But that's not the way I am. Cool. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. When she turned him down, his interest shifted to her sister. Yeah. He would show up at the house and her work unannounced and with a video camera. Uh, creeper. Babe. Um... He, it didn't work out between the two of them, obviously. No. And he blamed his roommates at the time. The fuck did they, they do? Nothing. The one roommate went to her sister and was like, hey, creeper boy is going after fucking your sister. Yeah. So they put a stop to it and he got pissed. Mm. So Josh ended up leaving Seattle and moving back in with his dad. Yeah. Um, he had the same issue with another chick he met online. He drove like a thousand miles to fucking meet her and she was like, Mm, you're a fucking weirdo. Yeah. So that didn't pan anywhere. 
Uh, again, he was not happy with his dad, and his mom convinced him to get an apartment in Tacoma. He made friends at church, but no girls, and said, quote, I often feel like I just can't get through to any girl that I really like. Because hmm. you're weird. Yeah. Um, one night, Josh and a friend went to an Institute of Religion class. This is when Josh met Susan Cox. He saw her and yelled out to her, and I will play you the video or the audio of him saying this because it's... I, and I know these this dude is weird, but, like, he was groomed. Yeah. Still. Like, you, I... you can't blame the child, but you can blame the adult. You mean now that he's an adult? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I. Agree I, I with get that. it. Like that's what he grew up around. Yeah, I, I don't know but if I agree with that. The man. reason that I say that is because he knew what his dad was doing and how his dad was acting was wrong. That's why he kept getting unhappy living with his dad, and he kept going back to his mom because he knew what Stephen was doing was wrong. So if you yeah, knew what but, he was doing was wrong, why did you do it? Uh, I mean, he. Some of that shit was ingrained mm. in his. I'm sure. I'm. I'm not arguing that he 100 percent was groomed, but he also acknowledged that Stephen was fucked up and he was doing shit he shouldn't be doing. But he had this blind fucking loyalty. Yeah, but you know, I mean, maybe he just can't control it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. He was 100 percent groomed. I just, I we keep calling him a creeper, but like he's creepy, groomed or not. Yeah, he's creepy. I, I get it, but like. Dude, he grew up with it. I know. I know. Still, though, like I said, yes, he was grouped 100%. I agree with you. But he still acknowledged that the behavior was wrong. Yeah, he might acknowledge it, but he might not be able to control it. Mm. I get it. Well, I want to so, be happy all the time, but I can't fucking control. No, I know that. But, um, oh, I even marked down where you could hear the audio. <laughs> So he says to her, hey, come talk to me for a while. No. Uh, Susan told him that she remembered him coming to her house to see his sister. And she would later write in her journal that Josh socially attacked her that day. Mm. Uh, he was 24. She was barely 19. Josh would throw dinner parties for the church and Susan attended one. He asked for help doing the dishes. Uh, per Josh, Susan said that at that very moment, she knew that she loved me. He said she felt the same and told himself it wasn't over, meaning him yeah. trying to get a girl. Right. Um, because he, I guess another one of his friends had shown interest in Susan. Mm-hmm. So um, they shared their first kiss that night. And mm-hmm. then Susan would write in her journal that night um, that that was when she knew Josh was the one. God, everyone has journals. Yeah. What the fuck? It's big. <laughs> Um, and they get you caught. Yeah, they, they do. They get you caught. Mm-hmm. So uh, he would say, quote, sometimes I feel like I can't reach any girls anywhere that for some reason or another, I forgot a word, they won't even give me a chance to go out with them. Yeah. yeah. I'll stop saying he's weird, but he's weird. <laughs> On November 11th Jerk. of 2000, um, they marked that as the beginning of their relationship. They talked about marriage on their first date, which consisted of a dollar movie and Subway sandwiches. Hey. So. I like Subway. Um, quote, it's important to me to find someone to take care of me. Mm. Um, more importantly, she had great credit. Hey. 
He says, quote, I had gotten pretty heavily into debt. Um, and Susan, she worked her, her her balls off. She had multiple jobs. Yeah. Um, she went to school during the day and worked at JCPenney Jewelry Store by night. Yeah. Um, Josh came in one night looking at rings, he said, for uh, a gift for his mom. Mm-hmm. He found one and asked Susan to buy it with her employee discount. No. It was her engagement ring. <laughs> Jesus. He did pay her back. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, but then went on to say, quote, I don't want her to have the most expensive looking ring in the world. I don't want her to have a big rock to attract someone to hurt her or us and mug us when we're together. What? Is that a thing in Tacoma? Because it's not really a thing out here. Right. <laughs> like, Whatever. Um, I mean, I didn't wear my wedding ring to work. But I feel like that's a completely different fucking ballgame. I mean, Chicago's pretty fucking bad with carjackings, <laughs> but I still don't fucking think about that. I still drive out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so they had been together less than two months when on January 5th, 2001, Josh proposed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then talks about it in the creepiest fucking way possible in his audio <laughs> journal. Um their friends and Susan's parents were a little concerned. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, her dad went to the bishop of their church, who was basically like, well, they're adults. You know, you got to let them do what they want to do. Yeah. Um, Josh pushed for a quick engagement followed by an immediate marriage as soon as they were cleared to be married in the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, Susan hesitated, saying she always thought an engagement would be nine months to a year. Um. But he wanted to get married because he couldn't let his new fucking cash cow get away. No. You know? He said, quote, oh, I couldn't see, sorry. Uh, I feel a real disturbance within myself. I can't find peace. I think Susan and I need blessings. We need fucking blessings. Yeah, we do. Just saying. Uh, on April 6, 2001, they were married in the Portland Temple. Josh envied Jennifer's marriage, his sister, and said that he wanted to be like that you know she had a good stable marriage she had children um steve was invited and tried to walk into the temple but he was turned away because he was not in good standing with the lds church and you basically had to have um a card essentially excuse me that showed that you were in good standing with the church to allow you to get in really essentially you can't including guests so everybody that they invited had to be essentially cleared through the temple no kidding because the it's, I, I learned a little bit about it. It's kind of interesting, actually. I wouldn't mind reading more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, anybody who's not in good standing in the church, they feel can bring bad juju okay. into their temple. So yeah. they don't allow them in. Hey, right. it's your world. I'm just living in it. Yeah. You know? So Jennifer ended up getting the couple a room for their wedding night. And Josh was too busy playing with his new camera to pay attention to his new wife. They returned to Puyallup the next day for the reception because they were separated. Judy and her family provided the decorations. Did I write? I wrote flavors instead of favors, by the way. (laughs) Favors and food for the wedding. Terry wanted to take everything back for the reception and couldn't understand why Judy was like, um, no. So Susan officially moved into Josh's apartment after the wedding. They were evicted eight months later after a dispute with the landlord. Susan would write in her journal about how they don't trust renting, and they were focusing on paying down Josh's debt and cleaning up his credit so they could get a home loan eventually. 
Josh was finishing up school for business, and Susan had high hopes about him finding like an actual fucking job. Right. Um, they were obviously not in a financial position to buy a home at this time, so they moved in with Steve to save money. Hmm. Um, John and Michael were also living there, and there wasn't much room uh, or enough bedrooms, so Josh and Susan ended up staying in the living room that they sectioned off with curtains. Okay. She was not comfortable at all. Yeah, I don't blame her. Um, she said the brothers came and went at all hours of the night and day, and they just really couldn't get a good night's sleep. Yeah. She also said that Steve was always around with his video camera, and Susan was his no, favorite that's subject. Weird. Oh, it gets... That's fucking weird. It that's gets American beyond. beauty weird. Oh, like beyond. Yeah. Way beyond, babe. Um, she tolerated it, and him, because she, she loved Josh, you know? Yeah. Which, I, I, I want to hug you. I'd be like, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, run as fast as you fucking can. <laughs> right. So, she was a cosmetologist, obviously, and she was proud of her waxing abilities. Mm. So, she was showing Steve her leg, and by leg, I mean her fucking ankle, yeah. not like her thigh. Right. Um, and said, oh, it's been a week with waxing. Look at how smooth it is, you know? Yeah. Um, he saw this as her showing interest in him and being a tease. Mm-hmm. It's her ankle, babe. It's not 19 fucking 20. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Steve was constantly picking away at the couple's marriage, too. Yeah. Like, constantly, like, picking at Josh to Susan. Yeah. So, um, in March of 2002, Josh got a job at Home Depot, um, and they were finally in their own place, thank God. Susan got a raise at her job and bought her first car. Uh, shortly after, Josh got fired from Home Depot for faking a back injury. Oh, Jesus. He then got a job at a car dealership, and it lasted less than a week. Um, Josh graduated in June, and Steve spent more time at the graduation videotaping Susan than he did the actual ceremony. That's fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, finally done with school, the couple looked forward to paying down Josh's debt and finding permanent work. Do you see the common denominator here? Paying down Josh's debt? Yeah. Okay. Um, Josh couldn't hold down a fucking job, though. Right. He was always right. His bosses were always wrong. Oh, and of that's course. that's what it was. Uh, in early 2003, Susan and Josh took a job together managing a senior living facility called Orchard Park in uh, Yakima. Yakima? Yakima. Washington? Yeah. Um, I wrote... What qualifications did they actually have? Because I, I never really found out. Like, how how do you get that job? Yeah, managing it? managing a senior living facility. I, I would think you'd need some kind of fucking background or like I don't know, be a some CNA kind of tra- or something. Yeah. Like that's what I was wondering. But they ended up getting um, like on site housing. Yeah. And food, so they got like three hots and a cot. What? Yeah. I was like, fuck. Where do we? Where yeah, do sign, sign up for up that. For that. Um, Steve at this point had developed uh, a fascination for lack of better terms with Susan mm-hmm. he came to visit one night and offered to give Susan a massage a massage a massage he rubbed her feet and shoulders taking full advantage can I rub your back are you actually and I mean by your back I mean your your vajayjay yeah. <laughs> um, oh my god I read something on Facebook the other day that said hats off to the waiter who kept a straight face while my five-year-old ordered vagina for lunch instead of lasagna. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, "That's something my 39-year-old husband would do." Yes, yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. I totally would do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Oh, that's funny. He, 
goes home and makes an audio recording. Yeah. Um, talking about how he she let him go up her sleeve. Ooh. Her her short sleeve. Yeah. It, it's her arm. Okay. Yeah. Um, he put his video camera on a tripod. Oh, jeez. And then filmed himself undressing and describing the event. You can see this video, by the way. Really? Oh, yeah. Is yeah. that weird? Babe, I'm telling you. <laughs> the minute you see a picture of him, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Is it like Buffalo Bill? Babe. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he goes on to say, quote, I just had what is probably the most erotic experience I've ever had in my entire life. I rubbed an arm. <laughs> yeah. First of all, who uses the term erotic? Yeah. Like, seriously. He does. Um, he well, wanted. He does say panty, too. Right? Oh, babe. Molester. <laughs> molester. I hate that. It's I won't gross. even get you started on moist. No. Ugh. Panties might be worse. <laughs> you know what else is worse? What? Fondle. Fondle? Fondle. Fondle? And no, fondle. Fondle. And supple. Those are two really bad. Words. Supple? What the supple. What does that mean? I don't know. Like soft and squishy and supple? Supple. That's disgusting. I th- thank you. Yeah. Right up there with fucking panties. Mm. Right up there. Shut up. So he wanted Susan and he wanted Josh out. Yeah. Um, he would later write in his journal that he had always known that they had an unstable relationship and he was seeing Susan as the financial means to Josh's end. Right. Um, he said that there was never money for Susan to do what she wanted or anything for herself and it was all because she was paying down Josh's debt. Which is true. Yeah. I'll give you that. Uh, two months later, Josh was fired again. Jeez. He said that the managers at the senior facility wanted them to break policy. Mm-hmm. Um, he brought it to the level of regional management and HR, and they were like, mm, no, yeah, we don't believe you. Um, <laughs> this is one of the parts. Uh, meanwhile, Steve spent thousands of dollars on a home recording studio. What? Thinking his music would help him woo Steve. Oh, yeah. He went by right the on. name Stephen Chantre. Oh, that's sexy. And wrote songs for Susan. <laughs> One of them being called Susan with the Sunlight Hair. <laughs> Sir. Oh, that's awesome. Sir. Um, his computer screensaver was a picture of her. <laughs> what? And he's, he's, he's very blatant about it. He does not give a flying fuck. Yeah. Uh, at one point, he videotaped her walking out to the car from work. Yeah. And she was wearing a dress, and when she got in, like, she got into a car, like a fucking normal person wearing a dress. Yeah. And her knee was exposed. And okay. he says, she did that for me. <laughs> she did what for you? Got in the fucking car? Like, uh, His obsession just continued to build. Yeah. Stop it. On July 13th, 2003, Steve met Josh and Susan at a commercial trucking company. Sorry for the pause. Mark couldn't find the fucking arrow. Yeah. The dog's going a little crazy. So if you hear him whining, I'm sorry. We'll just kind of push through. Yeah. Um, so Josh was trying to get into another business venture, long haul truck driving. 
Steve offered to give Susan a ride to her parents' house because Josh was going to be a while. Mm -hmm. He, again, had his video camera with him like he always did when Susan was around. Uh, He took a quick shot of Susan before she got into the car, then shoved the camera back into the bag. He thought he turned it off. Yeah? He did not. This is when he decides he's going to profess his love for Susan. Oh, boy. She starts talking about a move to Colorado, and he starts talking about how I'm in love with you. I don't know when it started, maybe when she was living with him, showing her waxed ankle, uh, or the massage six six months prior. Massage. Massage. But uh, being, he said, getting to hold you for those two hours. Ooh. What the fuck? He then said, maybe I'm getting the wrong signals from you. Maybe I'm interpreting something that I shouldn't be interpreting. Um, you know, for example, when we were sitting on the couch, it just felt like you were very, um, you know, I mean, I was very aroused and I think you were somewhat aroused or at least I thought. Are we able to watch this? You can hear it. There's no, there's no video to this one. He okay. thought the camera was off. But the audio the is The audio still... is, yes, you can hear the audio. I totally want to hear this. Um, She was like... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go now. <laughs> so I'm married to your son. Yeah. And I'm your daughter-in-law, which really puts me one step below your own children. Right. She then said, my own father doesn't kiss me and you kiss me and I don't like that. Yeah. He had taken it like kissing her forehead. Yeah. Um, He continues to, quote, blame Susan for him being attracted to her. It's her fault. Yeah, of course. Um, Steve wrote in his journal that night. Quote, I'm in so much pain right now, I don't know where to turn with it. I've spoken to Alina, who's his daughter, who has been supportive of my infatuation or obsession. Her advice was that Susan is a player, and that's what players do. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Mm. Um, And then he says, quote, this will probably be my last entry about Susan, my desire, and my love for her. Uh, It was not. Mm. Not even close. He was fucking around with his camera or whatever and found that he had recorded this whole conversation (laughs) and, uh, you know, analyzed it word for word and became became convinced that Susan, she just, she didn't reject him. Oh, She didn't reject him at all. No. Mm. Mm. Uh, Susan told Josh and he was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And confronted his dad. Steve said it all started because Susan was coming on to him and he was just responding to her provocations. Josh did manage to keep his distance for a little while. Um, Didn't see him face to face, but would talk to him on the phone frequently. Uh, In September, Stephen was writing in his journal that Josh had come around to his way of thinking. Quote, it did not take much for me to convince Josh that she instigated my feelings for her with her little enticements. The reality is, I don't think Susan is upset with me. Meanwhile, she was telling other people that he made her skin crawl. (laughs) I think she's upset with you. Right. Just saying. Just a thought. Um, Oh, God. So the couple decided to move far away from Steve to Utah. Steve was super pissed uh, at Josh about moving. Mm -hmm. Josh ended up taking a motorcycle that he had given to his brother Michael to pay down a debt. And Steve wrote in his journal that Josh um, kind of played his brother and was playing Susan, too, uh, that she deserved to walk away from the marriage with more than an empty wallet. 
What the fuck is a point of a journal? I mean, do you read it at the end? I don't know. I, I to don't get, get like it. your thoughts out, I guess. I don't I know. Guess. I, don't, I don't know. I got time for that. I mean, they even made us do it like in the hospital. Like, to journal? To get, to, I guess it's, I mean, a lot of people do it. I, I didn't know what to write. I, I'd put like, I'm having a good day. I am here. Yeah. Hello. Right. So in December of 2003, they moved in with Jennifer. Um, she would say that she was concerned about Josh's controlling behavior. Yeah. She didn't really understand it. Like, didn't make sense to her. Right. So <clears throat> the couple ended up getting temp jobs with Fidelity, uh, oh. and they bought the house on Sarah Circle. Hmm. Now, they obviously the home loan place didn't know it was a temp job. Otherwise, they probably would have got it. But yeah. Josh was fired shortly after. <laughs> he decided um, that he was what going is his to be. Deal? He was going to get a million dollar income doing reality. Yeah, reality, right? Am I saying that right? Okay. Susan would write in her journal that she was concerned and stressed about supporting the household. Yeah. She also wrote about Steve and her struggles to forgive him while he continued to reoffend. In June, Susan got a permanent position with Fidelity and found out she was pregnant. Yeah. Uh, During the pregnancy, she received her stockbroker's license and she was concerned with Josh's ability to be a father. Yeah. Their son, Charlie, was born shortly after that. I forgot to write down his birthday. It was in January. <laughs> I left a blank for it. Um, Susan decided to be uh, Josh's assistant for his reality business, but he had no interest in actually working. No. And wanted Susan to go back to work. Oh, my cool. God. Uh, the church was covering their bills and groceries, and she felt like a mooch. So she went to her bishop, and he suggested uh, counseling. Yeah. The bishop told Josh to be more affectionate towards Susan, and he blew him off, saying that uh, they couldn't get pregnant again. Mm. Cool. Could you hug her? Yeah. Kind of what I was going with. Um, he refused to be intimate or even kiss Susan for fear of getting sick. He said the same thing with his ex-girlfriend, Catherine. Um, and he would later say in his audio journals that he um, could only, like, cuddle for a couple minutes before he had to separate himself to get back into his comfort zone. Yeah, I know. The face you're making at me is hilarious, by the way. Um, In May of 2007, Susan quit Fidelity, and they took a second mortgage out on the house. Josh tried to get his uh, business off the ground and took out a full-page ad in the phone book. Phone book? Maybe phone book. Uh, Josh wasn't happy with the ad, saying that the phone numbers were wrong and refused to pay for it. The company sent him to collections and eventually sued him for $91,000. What? Yes. Holy Um, fuck. Their second child, Brayden, was born on January 2nd of 2007. Yeah. Neither one of them were working. And in April of 2007, they filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Yeah. Uh, He filed $30,000 in credit card debt, $59,000 in student loans, and $100,000 from the phone book account. Oh, my God. He also included $3,000 that he owed her dad. What? Yeah. Okay. So he started um, talking about the recession, telling Susan they might have to flee the country suddenly if uh, the country runs out of water. <laughs> She's like, cool, what? Right? Yeah. So 
she kind of just appeased him a lot and became very self-reliant, um, growing almost all of her own food. She makes a video later on. She goes to her backyard and they have like a pear tree, an apple tree, a peach tree and rows yeah. of watermelon and cantaloupe and peppers and like... That's actually pretty cool. I would love to fucking yeah. do that. But the bunnies around here, like... Yeah. I, I got a buddy. Um, I would love to do that. No joke. I got I got a buddy. Um, the, the dude who played for the White Sox. Yeah. He, him and his girl. Yeah. They live in, I think, Moments. And their whole backyard oh my is God. a garden. What she described the, is insane. Dude, and the food that he makes, you know, he posts it on yeah. his story. It's fucking... I read in... Like, I'm jealous. Yeah, I read in one source that she was a vegetarian, so it was very important to her to feed the boys healthy. Yeah. And she... she, I mean, every type of fruit and vegetable you can think of, she was growing. Yeah, that's... insane. That's how my buddy is. Um, I'm quite jealous. Yeah. Like, if I could do that, I totally If the bunnies around here weren't so... I wonder if we could, like, do... If we could, like, build it up. We we should try. Yeah. I think it'd be a cool project yeah. for Let's us. Figure but something we out. definitely would have to do something with the bunnies. Fuckers. Yeah. Um. So at the beginning of 2008, she realized she couldn't depend on Josh and knew that they both needed real jobs. She got a job at Wells Fargo in the call taking center. Mm-hmm. Uh, her 27th birthday was a complete fucking disaster. She got home at 10:30 that night to a filthy house and an unfrosted cake. Oh. And Josh was on the computer looking at videos of Saturday Night Live. Hey. Um, Josh su- suggested to her that she relax by frosting her cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I tell you to make a sandwich for me to relax. <laughs> I hate you. Um, the next day, he gave her a gift and said, quote, you better not complain. I spent money on this. Ooh. It was a motherfucking dry erase calendar that for for the fridge. Cool, right? Like, totally would be okay with that. Yeah. Except that it was so fucking old, the white parts of it were yellow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's. What did you spend? Forty-seven cents. Mm. Thank you. I can't wait till your present comes. It shipped. I got excited today. There was a FedEx package, but it was oh, Leah's babe. fucking. My present I got you, a fucking 90s windbreaker jacket. I can't wait. It's fucking green leopard print. I'm going to wear it fucking daily. That's why I figured. It's fucking like silver shiny with green leopard print. It's going to be As soon as I saw it, I was like, dude, I got to get it. It's going to be great. I got to fucking get it. Um, So he gave her this shit present and she gave him the $25 gift card she got at work. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm keeping my gift cards. Yeah, I I love me a gift card. Yeah. Mm Mm-mm. Um, he then locked her out of their bank account. Yeah, because she spent too much money on groceries. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sorry, your children have to eat. Right. Dick face. Right. Oh, my God. So he tried yet another business venture, uh, web marketing, and started a company called Polished Marketing. It was a flop. Mm. Uh, Susan's checks went into the joint checking account that she had no fucking access to. So she started putting small amounts into a separate account that Josh didn't know about. She used that money to pay uh, tithing, which was like donations, like the donation plate at Catholic Church. Yeah. Uh, and get food for the boys. Because he would make them split a fucking hot dog. What a dick. Je- do, what would Jax do? Dude, <laughs> we he would like, starve. You have to give that hot dog to your sister. <laughs> he He'd would be like, starve. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, they'd split a hot dog. He'd fight. 
So the couple argued frequently over Josh's lack of help around the house and the kids and his lack of faith, and they argued about money. He stopped going to church three years prior and would belittle Susan for her faith and wanting to give tithing. Uh, She wrote in her journal and would tell people once through a Facebook message, quote, he's mainly verbally, emotionally, and financially abusive. She said that Josh takes her money and dictates her every move. During one argument, Josh or Susan slapped Josh and he threatened back that it would be the only time he wouldn't hit back. Her parents gave her a phone to keep secret in case she needed to leave in the middle of the night with the boys. You don't see that as a red flag? Right. Like, fuck. Come on. So Susan's counselor uh, even told her that she was being abused. Yeah. Um, And one of the big things was that she would not eat so the boys could eat. She works full time. Yeah. I'm going to give you a whole hot dog. Right. Fuck you. Um, she began actually bracing herself for a divorce at this point. In August of 2008, she said, quote, I am so tempted to just find a lawyer, drop some papers, change the locks, and have a police officer with me when he comes home from work. He thinks he can weasel his way out, and I'll be stupid enough to endure this miserable marriage. Mm. Then he told her, I love you. And she clung to that. Clung to it. Um... She had secretly met with a divorce attorney for advice. She was afraid that he would dick her over, taking the kids and leaving her homeless. And she also was afraid that he would flee the country with the kids or try to have her killed. Oh, Jesus. She's vocalizing this. Yeah. You know. Um, He ran up her credit again. um, uh, Again, because where can you go without credit, right? So he financed a car in just his name and never let Susan drive it. He stayed home all day with the van while Susan biked 15 miles round trip to work. Jesus. Down a busy fucking street. What the fuck? Um, she, he then took out a million dollar life insurance policies on the two of them with $250,000 side policies for the boys. Yeah. Um, Susan told a friend that she was concerned for her safety, uh, that she was simply an asset he could control and quote, there's nothing stopping him from taking me out. That she she bikes down this busy street. How yeah. easy would it be for an accident to happen? Um, Josh eventually got a job, so they needed daycare. While interviewing with the at-home daycare owner, Debbie Caldwell, Susan asked if changing days in the future would be a problem because their marriage wasn't doing well as she was meeting with the attorney and she might have to change her work schedule. Yeah. Come here and lay down. Uh, While at work in late June 2008, Susan wrote up paperwork and labeled it her last will and testament of Susan Powell. In it, she wrote she wanted a paper trail detailing the extreme turmoil in their marriage and that Josh told her if she tried for a divorce, he would take the kids and ruin her and the boys would not grow up with a mom and a dad. Jesus. She also wrote in there, quote, if something happens to me, please talk to my sister-in-law, Jenny Graves, my friend, Kiersey Hollowell. Check my blogs on MySpace. Check my work desk. Talk to my friends, coworkers, and family. It's an open fact that we have life insurance policies for over a million if we die in the next four years. Mm. Coworkers, family, and friends hear me say this occasionally. If I die, it might not be an accident, even if it looks like one. Wow. Take care of my boys. I want my parents, Judy and Chuck, very involved and in control of their lives. 
for family and friends of Susan, all except for Josh Powell, husband. I don't trust him. Josh Powell is not allowed to possess this. Wow. She stapled it all together and put it in a box in her desk drawer, along with uh, social security cards, birth certificates, anything that she would need in the event of a divorce. She also put a paper in there um, that she called the deposition. It detailed the fight the two of them had had uh, the night before. Mm-hmm. She asked him, why do you get mad when I spend money, but you can spend whatever you want? And he said, it's none of your fucking business. Mm. It's her money. Yeah. Um, a month later, she added a video detailing their assets, which she was advised to do by a divorce attorney. Um, she kept everything at work along with other documents, like I said. Uh, and in November, Susan spent an entire day at Temple praying. Because uh, in the LDS church, they believe that you could get advice direct from God. Yeah. in the temple um not like through a weird preacher but like right, right. in signs and stuff yeah so she ended up seeing just by chance two single men and she took that as a sign from god that there were still righteous men out there for her if josh decided to leave her right um while there she wrote a letter to josh and he was pissed because she's like i'm not fucking doing this anymore yeah. it's not gonna happen um <clears throat> In 2009, Josh said they needed to make sure that the boys were taken care of in the event that something should happen to them. And on February 4th, 2009, they set up a revocable trust for the boys. Included in that was power of attorney paperwork for Susan's retirement account. So even if she's alive, he can get into her retirement account. Okay. Um, he then fully funded the IRA accounts, borrowing against their credit cards. Debbie Caldwell told Susan at that point, you're worth more dead to him than you are alive. Yeah. Um, Around this time, Susan told a work friend that if anything ever happened to her, to look at Josh. Um, Josh made a comment about being able to get away with murder because the police wouldn't find a body. Yeah. On the way home from a month-long trip to Washington, they shared a hotel room with Josh's dad. She slept outside in the minivan. Jesus. First of all, fuck you. Right. Second of all, how fucking dare you as a husband? If your wife is that unfucking comfortable, make him go sleep in the van. Yeah, no shit. Uh, Steve wrote in his journal that Susan slept outside because she didn't trust herself and her overwhelming sexual attraction to him. <sighs> yeah. Uh, the comp- the couple made a compromise regarding church. Um because she thought this trip helped a little bit. He would go to church one Sunday a month and she would skip church one Sunday a month. She came back into damage control saying her marital situation was a little bit better. Later, though, she would say she wished Josh would cheat on her so it'd be easier to divorce him. Uh, She tried to gain independence, even planning girls' nights out, and froze their credit cards. Good for her. Uh, Later, document late, way later... Documents were released by the West Valley City Police that Josh had not only been cheating on Susan, but that he had an impressive gambling problem, uh, including witnesses from the casino saying that he would lose a shit ton of money and then, like, lose his shit. So I can't, I couldn't find anywhere what was released. I don't know if it's been taken down. I I don't know. I don't know if I was having an off day and I just couldn't find it, but I don't know. Um... Josh would often speak to his dad and allow his dad to instruct him how to be an asshole to Susan and the kids. 
Uh, Josh finally agreed to counseling, but a month into the counseling sessions, the poor counselor was like, I can't fucking help you people. Like threw her hands up in the air and was like, I don't know what to do. Said, let's take a month off. um, And Josh, like, you need to figure your shit out because this is stupid. Yeah. So they didn't go back, obviously. Uh, The night before Thanksgiving of 2009, Josh bought a metal cutting torch. There's a lot more to it, but I thought you'd get bored. So Um, he had to go to Lowell's at some point to get some wiring or piping for the the torch to work. And the workers asked him, what the fuck are you doing with it? He said he didn't have a particular project in mind, but he just wanted to play around with it. A fucking metal cutting torch? You're just going to play with it? (laughs) Well, yeah. Are you on jackass? <laughs> what are you doing? I kind of want to play with it. Uh, okay, but like, you're not going to fucking, I mean, you don't need a metal torch to kill me. I'm going in the melting pot. So like, exactly. I would totally understand if you got it because I would kind of want to cut stuff too with it. <laughs> right. Not the point. Uh, by December, he had a metal cutting torch that fit in the back of his van. Mm. Mm, very portable. Uh, during this time, Susan was convinced that she was pregnant. Yeah. She was not, thank God. Uh, at the beginning of December, Josh told Susan to stop spending money. Dude. Dude, you're at fucking Lowell's. Yeah. Apparently, too, he had, like, a shit ton of tools. Yeah. And he didn't know what to do with them. Really? A neighbor was helping him build a deck and was like, I, I don't know why he had this shit. Yeah. I liked playing with it, but he don't know what to do with it. Right. And had, like, a $3,000 drone and RC cars, and Susan couldn't give a whole fucking hot dog to her kids. Jesus. Yeah. So let's go back to December 7th, 2009. Yeah. Police arrived at the home of Susan and Josh at 12.02 a.m., just after Jennifer and Terry. They noticed all the windows were covered and that the blinds were moving as if they were being moved by the furnace. And again, thought, maybe it's carbon monoxide poisoning. No. Police asked Terry for permission to break a window. At 11.39 a.m., police force entry into the house. The house was empty, but there were two box fans pointed at the carpet and the couch and a stereo left on. The van was gone. Jennifer would later say that as soon as she walked into the house, she had an overwhelming feeling that Josh had already done something to Susan. Oh, jeez. Um, she... Uh, the fear increased when she found Susan's untouched purse in the bedroom. Oh. Stop. Um, police called local hospitals. Obviously, there was nobody there. Yeah. Um, at 1.15 p.m., the patrol officers called in detectives. Um, when the detective, uh, doc- Detective Ellis was his first name. Funny guy. When he talks about his like police career and how it got started. Yeah. He was just like, he tried so many times to test and was just like, fuck this. Really? Like went in for an interview in fucking shorts and was like, I don't give a fuck. Cause he'd already tried like three times to get on this department. Yeah. And he ended up getting the job and he was like, shit, like, should have done that a while ago. Right. Um, he was, he was set to retire mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, we have a spot in, you know, special victims or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'm not fucking doing that. Yeah. And then they're like, what about violent crimes? And he's like, cool. Totally it. So that's how he got it. Um, So when he arrived, um, Susan's friend, Kiersey and Debbie, explained their marital problems because they obviously had firsthand knowledge. No one at this point could get a hold of Josh. Hours go by, um, and at one point, um, a neighbor had the number 
to Josh's cell phone yeah. because her son would sometimes babysit for him. Yeah. She incidentally enough turned out to be the last person to see Susan alive also the day mm. before. Um, she called Josh and he picked up and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like the police are here. They've broken into your home. Get your fucking ass back here. Yeah. What, what are you doing? Right. So she told the detective, you know, that she got a hold of him. At 5.27 p.m., Josh called his sister Jennifer and said he was at work with the boys. Uh, she called him out on his bullshit. He conceded that he had taken the boys camping and they got stuck in the snow. He said Susan was at work. And she again called his bullshit and started yelling, asking where Susan was. His response was, I don't know. What do you know? She said that kind of sealed the deal. Yeah. She knew at that point that he had done something. Yeah. Um, she called the conversation disturbing, and Josh agreed to meet her at the house. Now, Steve actually wrote in his journal, too, and I, this is what I was searching for for the last fucking hour. Yeah. He talks about how um, what Josh had done is wrong, and he shouldn't have done the stupid things that he did. And I mean, he, Stephen, no, yeah. he, he knew, he knew a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, alleging, you know, making comments about how like he shouldn't have set her on fire. What? Yeah. Like it's a very damning comment. Really? And I'm going to fucking find it because it pisses me off that I can't find it. And like, you need to hear it. Yeah. So, um, so Jennifer called, uh, detective Ellis, which is his first name again. I can't remember his last name. And, you know, said, he's meeting me at the house, come meet us. At 5.48, Ellis was like, can you fucking call him? Like, where is he? So she called Josh, um, and he told Josh, come home. And Josh was like, I need to feed the kids. Okay. You give him half a fucking hot dog. Right. His sister Jennifer was like, cool, go through the fucking McDonald's drive-thru. Like, what are you doing? So at 6.40, he finally showed up. Couldn't get into his driveway because all the police cars. Yeah. Uh, Detective Ellis went up to the van and was like, where the hell have you been? Yeah. And uh, Josh said his phone was off to preserve the battery because he didn't have a charger. Oh, yeah. Cool. So the charger that was plugged in next to his knee must have been fucking invisible. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus. Ellis told Josh to go to the West Side substation. Um, and during the interview, Josh continued to insist that Susan was at work. Yeah. And finally, Detective Ellis was like, dude, she didn't go to work. Right. She's not at work. Right. She's not there. Right. And he says, where do you think she would have gone? What do you think she would have done? And this fucking idiot says, well, I think she would have got up and gotten ready for work. Sweet Mary Joseph. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) Right. Like, the way that the detective was like, I was so frustrated. I'm, like, yelling at the phone. I'm like, me too. (laughs) Me too. I feel you, dude. I feel you. So, um, (laughs) I guess he then. What is his? I don't know. Sorry, this dog is seriously driving us crazy tonight. (laughs) I I don't know what his deal is. Oh, Sorry. my turn? Yeah, okay. your turn. Um, so they asked him, you know, where's Susan's cell phone? He's like, I don't fucking know. And the detective's like, you don't, you don't fucking know where her cell phone is? And he's like, no. Yeah. So they asked if he could search the van. And he's like, well, why? And he's like, I don't know, because your fucking wife is missing and it took you eight hours <laughs> to come home. Right. So Josh allowed the search of the van. Stop it. 
um, but said that he would have to sit by and stop it at any chance, any time that he wanted. Mm. Cool. So um, they go through the council, the center council. So they bring him back in to interview him yeah. while they're searching the van. And they go in the center council and find Susan's pink Motorola razor. So the detective, another detective walks in the room with a phone and was like, well, whose is this? Yeah. And Detective Ellis was like, he looked like a deer in fucking headlights. Yeah. Said that he borrowed the phone the night before to get cell phone numbers out of it and forgot he had it. Oh, this dude's struggling. And the detective's like, so you forgot you had it, but you took it out of your pocket and put it in the console? Cool. (laughs) Got it. This dude is struggling. So Josh is getting pissed at this point. He said when he took the boys camping, he thought it was Saturday. Mm. When he realized it was Sunday... Or, excuse me, when he realized the next morning that it was Monday, he had already blown up with work and didn't call because he didn't want to get fired. Least of your concerns. Right. Um, he also couldn't figure out why everybody was questioning his late night camping trip in a snowstorm with two toddlers. Yeah. He's like, well, Susan knew about it. Mm. No, the fuck she did not. No right. mother would be like, cool, take him for s'mores. Yeah. It's 3 a.m. No There's big no deal. fucking way. Whatever. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> That's Jesus safe. Christ. So... Josh came back the next day on December 8th for another interview, but came back four hours late and barely spoke. Yeah. Um, at this point, they had a warrant for the car. Mm. So they were searching the car. And they told him, like, hang out. It's going to be 15 more minutes. He took a cab to the airport to rent a car instead of waiting the 15 minutes. Yeah. And then put 800 miles on the car. Jesus. And then retained an attorney and stopped talking. Wow. Yeah. You know what's uh, like 400 some miles from his house? Hmm. The fucking mines in the Utah desert. Yeah. Cool. So he ended up giving him, giving them his cell phone. He had taken the SIM cards out of his phone and Susan's phone. Oh, well, So any opportunity to ping is gone. Yeah. Um, So on that same day, they noticed he didn't ask about Susan at all. Didn't talk about her, didn't ask about her, nothing. Um, <clears throat> on that same day, at least try something, <laughs> you know, squirt a fucking tear out. Right. Dude. Something Di- didn't even try. Didn't even try. Um, on that same day, detective Kim, uh, Wealty gently interviewed four year old Charlie. He remembers his mommy had gone camping with them quote, but she didn't come back with us. And I don't know why. Uh. I just got goosebumps. Yeah, I did too. Uh, The news of Susan's disappearance hit the headlines pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, A husband of a friend of hers, Scott Hardman, had spoken to Josh uh, previously at a Wells Fargo Christmas party. They were talking about TV and, you know, crime shows and shit like that. And they got on the subject of how a killer would hide a body. Now, maybe to other people that would seem like an odd conversation, but 100% a conversation I would have with somebody. So We would have that at dinner. Right. So, um... Josh said that the best place would be an abandoned mine shaft. Uh, he would throw the body in, knock some of the surface shaft timbers and rocks loose, and the mine would collapse into itself, and no detective would go in there risking his life. Mm. So the mine that they're searching currently yeah. is one that they had somewhat searched before. Yeah. When they went back to search it again, all of the timbers had fallen into the mine. Yeah. And it was obvious that it was not a force of nature that had done it. Right. It had been done purposely. Oh, shit. So how many years later, this mm-hmm. searching they're searching this mine when he said this the year before she went missing? 
man, I'm getting goosebumps. So, um, neighbors also would say that they heard an argument that night. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> criminalists found the discoloration of the clean couch to be human blood, and it contained Susan's DNA. Wow. But they have no body. Yeah. So, the chief of police is like, we, we literally, it's like Delphi. We yeah. can't fuck this up. We have one fucking opportunity. Like, we we don't have enough concrete to arrest him. Right. So we, we have to hold off. Um, <clears throat> on 12-17-2009, Josh emptied Susan's IRA accounts. And just after the new year, Josh, I, like, I have a lisp, I'm sorry. Um, Josh told Susan's parents to not come back into their neighborhood and he would contact them via email. <laughs> He what? he eventually filed a restraining order against them to keep Get them the away from the home. Get the fuck out of here. Fuck you. Um, on January 3rd, 2010, Charlie was at a class at church and was acting out. Yeah. Um, the teacher told him that he needed to stop and that she was going to call his mom and dad. Right. He looked at her deadpan and said flatly, quote, my mom is dead. Oh, my God. On January 8th, 2010, Josh moved himself and the boys to Washington to live with Steve, and they put their he put their house up for rent or for sale, whichever could happen first. Yeah. Uh, Steve and Josh publicly stated that Susan was promiscuous and ran away with another man. Now, at that time, there was a reporter from the area who had gone missing, like, within days. What? And they were telling everybody that they disappeared together. Really? Yeah. Obviously, it turned out to not be the case. Yeah. Um, I think I remember what happened to the reporter, but I don't know for sure, so I'm not going to say it. Um, <clears throat> Utah and Pierce County detectives ended up finding disturbing content on Josh, Josh's computer. Mm-hmm. They found uh, pornographic and incestual-themed photographs of children, Jesus. but they were cartoons. Still. So because they weren't actual people, yeah, they couldn't charge, charge him them. with it. Yeah. Uh, on May 11th, 2010, Steve Powell consented to a search of his home, uh, including a locked cabinet. You ready? Mm-hmm. In this were hundreds of photos of Susan in various states of undress. Wow. From the photos, she clearly did not know that they were being taken. She was, yeah. Um, pictures of Susan's head uh, were found taped to nude photos, nude bodies. There were multiple pictures of a man's erect penis masturbating. And then there was a video of Steve masturbating to a picture of Susan while simulating oral sex at an unknown reflection. What the fuck? Yeah. Dude. It gets worse. Uh, Steve and Josh publicly stated that Susan was, quote, extremely unstable and had uh, possession of her journals. They ended up, uh, Josh made a website a couple days after she went missing, like a help find Susan. Mm -hmm. They ended up posting excerpts pages of Susan's journal to this website. What? But they were entries from when she was a fucking teenager. Dude. Like, it's nothing that was happening now. Right. So, um, I, oh my God. So, Brayden the youngest boy, Mm -hmm. would eventually tell an attorney representing Susan's family, quote, we went camping. Mommy was in the trunk. Mommy and daddy got out. And then mommy disappeared. Mommy was in the trunk. Mommy was in the trunk. Jesus Christ. He then drew a picture of the family in the van with Susan in the trunk. 
You can see that it's online. You can see the drawing. Getting chills again. Um, For months, he had been seeing that mommy was in the mine. Mm. And maybe she was looking for crystals. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, on August 25th, 2011, a search warrant was executed at Stephen's house again. A male relative answered the door naked. He said that Steve wasn't home, but everybody else, including Josh and the two boys, were. So you're walking around with your you're, fucking dinghy hanging out. Dude, what yeah. the fuck? Are you ready? Yeah. Detectives found in uh, Stephen's closet women's underwear, used tampons, hair pulled from a sink drain, toenail clippings, and Q-tips, all dated and labeled Susan. What the fuck? There was also um, several notebooks containing Steve's writings about Susan and more videos and pictures of her. Dude, he oh confessed. He confessed in one of his journals that he had snuck into uh, Susan and Josh's home and looked at her journals and said that he was pissed that there was nothing positive about him. <laughs> For real. You think? So uh, they also found over 2,000 images of young girls who lived around him, neighbors, stuff like that. So they started investigating. It took a little while because they were rental properties. So people were in and out. But on September 22nd, 2011, at 11.14 p.m., Steve was arrested by Pierce County Sheriffs for 14 counts of voyeurism and one count of child pornography. Mm. Within days, the boys were removed by DCFS and given to Susan's parents. Okay. Um, They were robotic and misbehaved, obviously. Um, They spoke of a time where Charlie was reprimanded for throwing a pool ball at a cousin. Mm -hmm. Charlie went, this is going to, this is going to break you. (laughs) Um, Charlie went to the glass door, looked up at the sky, and said, quote, Mommy, Mommy, where are you? I need you. Oh, God, you just gave me chills. Yeah, uh, it just made me tear up a little bit. Um, on February 3rd, 2012, Josh went before a judge regarding custody. He was fighting for, fus- for custody. Yeah. The judge ordered him <clears throat> to take a psychosexual evaluation. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know the stipulations of this? No, okay. I have no clue. It's fucking insane. I should, you know what? I want to read it just from it. It includes, so it's almost like they take lie detector wires. Yeah. Hang on. Um, it, it's crazy. So he was supposed to take this evaluation between February 7th and February 11th, but he was still able to um, keep his visitation on the okay. 6th. Hang on. You Googling it? No, no, no. It's part, um, it was in one of the, the books I read. So, okay. So, a psychosexual evaluation is one of the more intrusive examinations anyone can undergo. It is a tool used by psychologists and psychiatrists to evaluate the possible risks inherent in the test subjects. Most often, it is used to winnow out imprisoned sex offenders to decide which of them might be safe to move back into society or if they are ready to be paroled to halfway houses or less strict programs. Wow. But there are reasons to ask for psychosexual evaluations. When, children's are invol- when children are involved in a case, every effort is made to protect them. The professionals who have studied the Powell situation for two years were very concerned with the salacious cartoons on Josh's computers and with Josh's inability to modify, or just plain in- lack of interest in modifying, 
his behavior and remarks when Charlie and Braden were present. He resented most of the world and felt people were ganging up on him and refused to accept criticism for anything he did. Psychosexual evaluations include delving into police reports, children's protective agencies records, criminal and correction histories, interviews with the subject and his or her family, his or her sexual patterns and history, alcohol and drug use, stress level, use of pornography, employment, education, medical history, and a myriad of other personal areas. Wow. Sometimes a device, the penile plus pleth, plethmograph, I'm sorry mm-hmm. if I'm saying that wrong, is attached to a male subject's penis to chart if he becomes erect while viewing wow. certain videos or photographs. Holy cow. It is used in 58% of all psychosexual evaluations and is considered standard in Washington state. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. That's, wow, that's interesting. So, I've never heard of that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So he still is going to have his visita- uh, his supervised visitation on February 6th. Right. So that morning, I didn't write any of this down, so the rest is just coming from my brain because mm-hmm. you were getting antsy. Um, so that day, um, Charlie and Braden didn't want to go. They yeah. didn't want to go to Dad's. They wanted to stay with Chuck and Judy. Yeah. And um, they finally convinced the boys, you know, just go see him for a little while. It's court ordered. They right. had no choice. So they got him dressed, and uh, the social worker by the name of Elizabeth Griffin Hall came and picked them up. She took them over to Josh's house, got in the driveway, knocked on the door. He opened the door, looked her dead in the face, grabbed the boys, pulled them inside, and slammed the door. What the fuck? When he slammed the door, she smelled gas. Okay. Do you know how this ends? No. Are you kidding? No. Oh, fuck. All right. Well, hold on to your ears. Actually, I might. So, she called 911. Yes, I do know how this ends. The 911 operator upsets me. <laughs> A lot. Yeah. He was like, "What? why are you calling? You're the social worker. Supervise them. Yeah. And she's like, no, he, he locked me out of the house. I smelled gasoline, and I'm concerned for the boy's safety. Right. And he just kept saying... But you're there to supervise, so supervise them. Where is their emergency? Yeah. And she's like, I, I need police over here now. And he's like, yeah. So they're going to actual life-threatening emergencies? They'll get you when they can. Mm. Yeah. I got to listen to it. So the you can hear the, you can listen to the 911 call, too. Yeah. So she's arguing with him. Like, th- this is, I feel that this is a life-threatening emergency. Yeah. I am concerned for the boy's safety. Yeah. Do you want to know when police showed up? One. Two minutes after the house blew up. The entire house exploded. Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing this. Um, after the house exploded, they found, obviously, Josh and the boys inside. Mm-hmm. Um, the boys had hatchet marks and injuries oh, God. to their heads. Um, but they also had smoke in their lungs. So they were so alive. They were alive when the house blew up. They found them laying on the ground holding hands. Oh. I Listen, if I had to read it, you had to fucking read it too and, and die. Um, so, obviously, they all died. Yeah. Um, so, he took, he took his secrets to the grave. So, oh. Steve, um, <clears throat> Steve ends up going to trial for the his porn. issues, for yeah. the porn. Gets two and a half years. 
Um, so basically fucking nothing. Yeah. So now they start going after him for Susan. Really? Well, like what the, you, you need to fucking tell us. Yeah. Your son fucking killed himself and your grandkids and you're not going to say shit. Yeah. So he, he was like, no, I'm not, not going to. What a piece I, he of did, shit. He didn't do anything, you know? So he just, he stuck to that. And I think their sister knows what happened too. Um, he was released from prison on July 11th, 2017. Um, <clears throat> he served a total of seven years, excuse me. Okay. Uh, he died of a heart attack on July 23rd, 2018. Wow. So nobody knows. Mm. Nobody knows. They, they, they took their secrets with them. But now what are they, you said? They're in re- a mine. They're searching a mine where all And when of, did all this break? Last week. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't, he obviously didn't want to go through the psychosexual evaluation because yeah. he, he would have failed. Oh, yeah. Um, I also think that the boys were starting to talk too much. Yeah. And he knew that. Right. My thing is, you're going to blow up the house. Did you have to hit him with a fucking hatchet? Right. Did you have to? Their daddy's coming at him with a fucking hatchet. Dude. That's the last thing they remember. They That's saw mommy terrible. in a trunk, and then daddy came at him with a fucking hatchet. What a fucking life. Yep. That's, oh my yep. God. So, police, they they talk about it and stop short of saying that they know he did it. Yeah. We all fucking know he did it. Right. But now the mind that they're searching is almost the exact description as what he explained the year before she went missing. Yeah. So the mine that they're in, um, like I said, all the woodworking and stuff around it is has fallen into the mine. How did they come across it? The mine? Yeah. It was one that they had previously searched. And they just decided to search it again? This guy is just gung-ho. He's, he's a private investigator, and he's doing all of this for free. Really? Just working with her family, because he's like, they, they need fucking closure. Yeah. They're reading these stories and, and learning all this stuff. There are some people out there who are just, they're they're nothing short of, of angels. Right. I mean, for real. This guy's taken time out of his own life and his own money. Right. And him and his team are, are searching for her at, at their own expense. Yeah. Just to give this family closure. That's awesome. You know? Yeah, so they're hoping that they're going to find out soon. Everything is supposed to be rushed, so it should only mm. take a little little while, not months. But yeah. um, it's just, it's a tough one. Yeah. She saw it coming. Yeah. She, she saw it fucking coming. Yeah. But then still was like, I love him. Maybe he won't do anything to me. Right. So they obviously don't know how she died. They're not going to know how she died. Um, Due to Steve's comment, it is speculated that he put her somewhere in the desert and lit her on fire. Right. And then went back two days later and put her remains in the mine. Wow. What the fuck is is the dog doing? doing? We're almost done. So, yeah, don't even bother. Whatever. Um... So that is the story of Susan Powell. Man. Um, I hope Steve and Josh. Guys, the motherfucking dog. Oh, my God. <laughs> I apologize. Like, I've had a pause three or four times. Yeah. 
because the dog keeps getting in this shit. Normally, we don't pause for anything no, except to like well, pee. We need Leah because normally the dog is right. upstairs in Leah's room. Yeah. Driving her crazy. Driving her fucking crazy. But right. He, dude, he's on 10 tonight. He, he really is. It's funny because he's on fucking 10. At, where's Jack in his room? Yeah. <laughs> just, right, who's me, he playing with? I don't know. I got to check to see if he's texted to go to the. Yep. Because his, his buddy got his Xbox taken away. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know what he did. Yeah, he's texting if we're done. I just we're almost. He can come down. This no, is this is what I don't understand. Yeah. Side note: Jackson's upstairs in his room. Do you want to know what else is upstairs? What? Two bathrooms. Yeah. Why do you have to come downstairs to shit? There's two bathrooms up there. <laughs> right. Two. Hey, should he sign us off tonight? He'll get a kick out of. Are that. we done? To- well, okay. Let me just say. Yeah. I hope. Um. Josh and Steve are fucking rotting in hell where they fucking deserve to be. Yeah. And I hope the boys are back with their mom. I hope so. Because that would be ultimately what should yeah, happen. I so. Hope so. I, what a I fucking, hope so. I hope it's her. What a tragic story. Terrible. From the beginning. All around. Holy All fuck. around. Like, the whole thing, Josh was groomed for sure. And you almost want to be like, the kid didn't have a fucking chance. But he knew he knew shit was wrong, and he did it. Excuse me, he did it anyways. Yep. So I don't know. I hope we come back next week and can tell you that it's her that they found. Oh, that'd be nice. That would be the ultimate closure for her parents, you know. And they're just so sweet. That you know, if it's not her, I hope it's somebody else gets closure. It's like you guys fucking deserve this, right. you know. I'm telling Jax he could okay. sign us off tonight. Um, what is our next case? Uh, I want it to be the local case that uh, yeah, our friend Jennifer. I don't know if I can if if I can find enough about it. Obviously, that's going to be our next one. Okay. Um, otherwise, uh, it's going to probably be the yogurt shop murders. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Either or would be good. So. Yeah. But. Yeah, I would more like the local case. Yeah, I'm going to look into it. There's another one, too, that that Jess wants us to do, which I would love to do. We've talked about it before, but it's still an open case. Okay. So I don't know. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know if we'd be able to find a lot on it. We might, because there there was quite a bit when I looked it up. So. I mean, yeah. You don't have to tiptoe. Come on. So we're going to have our son. We're done talking about it. Yeah, we're going to have our son Jack sign us off tonight. So thank you guys very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I apologize. I had to pause a couple times for our dog. But thank you, Patreons. You guys are fucking awesome. Thank you for everybody who listens. And please keep listening and leaving reviews and liking. And I love interacting with you guys. So as many, like, keep it coming. Yep. Do you want to sit here and put my headphones on? He does. All right. <laughs> We're going to let Jax put on the headphones and he's going to speak. Talk right into there. No swearing, buddy. <laughs> there you go. Say hi to Don't everyone. Touch that. Hi. <laughs> you have to send us off. Yeah, you got to send us off. So say thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. You got to get closer. Say it again. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Perfect, buddy. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll be talking to you very soon. I quit. Bye. Bye.